What's up, guys? Pastor Josh here, Agape Center Ministries. So I just wanted to, I guess, give a little prelude uh, to the sermon that was preached um, yesterday, actually, during our, I guess we can refer to it as our backyard service here. Um, once a year, we try to do a um, at-home service at my place, um, and it's always just extremely edifying. It's it's great. A very just uh, intimate way for us to, to gather as a body, kind of taking us outside of our comfort zone a little bit by just gathering in a building. And we were able to participate and uh, have communion as well as a body, which was great. Just a time for us to examine our hearts, um, remember what the Lord did for us on the cross, and just come to come to God, Lord, come to God with sincere hearts, um, asking for repentance, prayers, and all that stuff. So just a, a beautiful emotional time for our body to do that. Always fruitful and over, um, always edifying. But in regards to the the sermon that was preached yesterday, I mean, you know, some Christians think that we shouldn't focus on doctrine. Um, as long as we maintain kind of this vibrant community in the church and big numbers and a comfortable atmosphere, usually the focus and the validation for what many would say is a successful church. But throughout Paul's teaching in the New Testament, he actually reveals how bad theology can infect our relationships in every aspect of our church life. And Paul functions kind of as this theologian in his writings to certain churches and regions, as I went through yesterday. As I feel like we all should, and we see in this constant wrestling that Paul's going through with the problems that are affecting the infant church of the first century. And these problems, sadly, they still exist today in the church. And one of the heaviest and damning of those problems is this infecting of the congregations with this false doctrine, in particular, kind of this false gospel that's preached about. And I'm amazed that even today, how little attention we want to give to matters of sound doctrine. Personally, as a pastor, when I speak about it, people may seem to think that it's too much brain and not enough spirit, but many churches have yielded to this belief that we shouldn't be engaged in the study of doctrine at all because all it really does in the end is stir up this controversy and divisions, which goes against the focus of numbers, community, and fellowship, which once again is kind of the, the validation for many of the churches today, especially in our country. But that idea, if you think about it, it would be ridiculous to the thinking of the Apostle Paul. Paul always saw an unbreakable relationship between a true understanding of the Word of God and really righteous relationships. And Agape Center bears witness to this bond, I can say, just in our growth as a body, not just with the numbers necessarily, but more so of the inward growth and the intentionality of our members. Um, Paul was very much concerned as the church was beginning to grow in its original setting with the invasion of this false teaching. And the more does not always mean the merrier, nor does it mean that you are, once again, doing something right. And as Christians, we need to know God's word properly to live out God's word effectively. Remember, we gather as brothers and sisters to encourage one another to go out and to be individual ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we have to know what the gospel is. Once again, this most recent sermon from Agape talks about Paul's writing to the Galatians and their misunderstanding of a once understood gospel. Once again, we have to make sure that we hold firm to the true gospel of grace that we first heard that really comes by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And if we speak any other gospel to non-believers, remember, it's no gospel at all. we got to remember, though, that we risk them accepting a gospel that, once again, is false, which means they follow an unbiblical and false Christ, which means, in actuality, they're not even truly saved. So I want you guys to think about that, and I... I pray that the sermon is edifying to you once again. Um, it's one that that it's one that needs to be preached and taught every so often as a reminder. And once again, I think that when you look at Paul's writings and 
when you even look at Jesus's teachings as well, there, there is a place and a time for correction. There's a place and a time to remind people of the gospel that we've received, and that's a gospel of grace. Amen. Enjoy the sermon, guys. I'm trying to remember what I preached yesterday to you. So I'm getting my preaching in, obviously. So, um, but she didn't stop me this morning when I was uh, usually, well, you let me finish and then you tell me that's just too much. I don't think you ever necessarily stop me, but um, she's laughing. Uh, so no, I, 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 her and I are talking and you know, I look at her, we're having our coffee as we usually do in the morning and we, we tend to do this in the front living room a lot. And I looked at her and I go, Man, when you're when you're reading through Scripture, and you know, once again, this, this goes without saying. Maybe many of you already know this, but once again, it just it still just affects me even today as a pastor to really. And we talked about it in men's group on Thursday as well. That we have to come to a place as Christians, and especially for me as as a pastor, I I, I feel like that this is something that it is one of my callings to encourage. Is is that Scripture is sufficient right? Like God's word is sufficient and the power of his word is, is amazing. Christ crucified is the power of God. So I'm looking at my wife, I'm going through Galatians and I'm just reading through and she had asked, she's like, well, what are you going to preach on? I said, well, I was thinking about going through Ecclesiastes 5 and, and unpacking that, but I'm like, maybe I should just take a break from the series and then go into a message that won't be too long, hopefully for your guys' sake. Um, but something that maybe serves as a reminder and maybe as a revelation for some of you here that are listening. But So when you read throughout Scripture and you read throughout the New Testament, you even see Paul's teachings to, to individuals is that he literally just speaks the gospel message. And when people hear the message of the gospel, their hearts are transformed. This isn't anything fancy or flashy. There's no means in which we are called to try to gussy this up anymore. It is a matter of just making sure that we properly speak and teach Christ crucified so individuals can hear it, as we'll see in Galatians, by faith. And it's once they hear that, their hearts are changed. Now, this doesn't go for everyone, of course. We know that. There's people that are going to be spiritually blinded. That are, there are going to be people that will not receive this word, my wife went through some scripture this morning where Jesus is speaking about those who hear my truth. I'm not here to judge them. They already stand in condemnation. And this is once again that, that element that really backs up the teaching that we are born into iniquity, that we are born at enmity with God. It is just our natural disposition. But nonetheless, we are still creations of God. And in Galatians chapter 2, Paul is speaking to a group of individuals who once again, when you, if you guys unpack and read through Paul's epistles, Paul's teachings, you will see that every time he visits a region, visits a church, he speaks Christ crucified. It is the foundational message of our faith. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But somewhere along the line, some other stuff works its way in. Some other outward teaching, if it be culture as we spoke about when, with uh, the church of Corinth, in this case and situation, it's these Judaizers, these individuals that are coming in and basically telling these Christians, hey, there's more that you have to do to truly be saved. Speaking about circumcision and the works and law and all that stuff. And Paul is sitting there and he struggles with this. It angers him when individuals try to come in and remove the grace element of God's message. 
it frustrates him and angers him. And my wife, she says, you get very fired up about this stuff. I said, I do, because when people start to lose an understanding of God's grace and the message of the gospel, they start to heap this burden on top of them where they think they have to do all this stuff to be saved. Never truly walking in the Spirit, never truly walking and growing in the Lord. So at looking at Galatians chapter 2, okay, we are going to start off at verse 15. So once again, the context here is that Paul is going to this church. He knows that this church has been, as he says, bewitched, that there's another gospel that's being presented to them, which in essence is no gospel at all to Paul. Okay, he's saying, if you are believing anything else other than what it is that I spoke to you, it's a lie. Even if angels themselves come down and speak something different to you, let them be accursed. These are powerful, powerful words from Paul. But I want to speak this to you guys as once again, as a reminder, maybe as a revelation to you as some, about the grace of God, about the power of His Word, about His Spirit working through His Word, because His Word is inspired by Him. It is breathed by Him. So in verse 15 of chapter 2, Paul says in Galatians, We who are Jews by birth are not sinful Gentiles. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ of the law. But by faith, let me start over again. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if, in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker, or in some of your translations, a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing." Now, we're going to unpack this, but something else that I spoke to my wife, and it's something that I'm going to say to you, is back in the Lord's day, thousands of years ago, there was a term that was not used very often that we so easily use today, and that was the word Christian. Are you guys aware of that? Christian was probably used maybe a couple times in the New Testament. I believe it was used for the first time at the church of Antioch. And this was a word to describe those who followed Jesus Christ. But if you were to go to an individual, for the most part, that was a follower of Jesus, one of the things that they would say to you in regards to letting you know that they followed Christ was, is they would say that Christ lives in me and I live in Christ. Now, I want you to stop and think about how those words sound just a little bit heavier than that of just merely saying that you're a Christian. I told my wife today, I said, I got to be honest with you, a lot of people are Christians today. A lot of people are. And there's certain things and ways that we go about maybe even saying that a person is Christian. First and foremost, you come up to a person on the street, you ask them, how are you doing? You start getting conversation. They can simply say, well, I'm a Christian. You right out the gate will do what? 
believe that they are a Christian, okay? And I'm not sit there and say that you're called to sit there and go, well, what's your, your belief on the doctrine of justification? And what's your belief on the doctrine? I don't want you to do that. But what I'm saying is, is that this is usually what we do in our culture. Maybe a person has a cross on their necklace. We can instantly say, well, maybe they're a Christian. There's something maybe that's drawing me to them because at least they're willing to show that. But I want you to stop and think of this. If someone comes up to Jelaine and they say, so what do you believe? And Jelaine looks at them and says, I believe that Christ is in me and I am in Christ. Does that phrase hold a little bit more weight and meat to it than someone that simply says, I'm a Christian? But what does that mean when you guys hear Christ in me? Wherever you go, who are you bringing with you? Bring in Jesus Christ. Even though you're living in this flesh that every day is failing, right? The nails are getting loose. The wood's starting to creak. Amen or ouch, right? These are things that happen. Inwardly, though, you are being renewed. Outwardly, you may be fading away. But inwardly, because you have Christ in you, you are being renewed. And this is what Paul is wanting to speak about. This is why he's saying, even though I worship Jesus in the flesh, in this flesh, I am still following and living in him as he is living in me. So when we think about this, it is so easy for us to just once again sidestep and just use words and say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm this. I stand up here as a pastor. It's a question that I can pose to myself every day. And it's a question that I can pose to you as professed believers, many of you. Does Jesus Christ live in you? And do you live in Jesus Christ? Do you take Christ with you wherever you go in your everyday life? Or is he just with you on Sunday? This is my job as a pastor. I, I had one person sit there and say, they go, why do some pastors seem mean in the pulpit? And I go, they're not mean. I go, if, if you guys were a group of non-believers and someone was to say, hey, there's this weird guy that's going to be speaking in his backyard about Jesus Christ, <laughs> bring a bunch of food, sit down, and he's going to talk to you. The chances are of my, my sermon, my message to you would be a message about God's love. But that love would be an encompassment of truth, right? But if I'm speaking to professed believers, just as Paul is having to do with this group of Galatians, he's having to kind of put this little hard twist to what's being spoken about, right? They're being bewitched. They're being told that they have to do something to be something. And that works him up. Because, guys, I've already been here before. I've given you this message. You've accepted this message by faith. But all of a sudden, you've let these other people come in and start to give you another message, another gospel that is no gospel at all. And what is it doing to you? It's making you question who you are as a Christian, as a person that's professed that Christ lives in you. It's making you question all these things. And that angers him. And in all honesty, it can anger me as well. When I hear people stop and they start to say, well, I didn't do this, so I don't think I'm a Christian. I didn't say this, so I don't think I'm a Christian. This outward work didn't happen, so I don't think I'm a Christian. That's not the gospel. The gospel is a message where I get to speak to you and say, guess what? You are all creations of God. 
all creations, born into iniquity, born at enmity with God. That means that you have a deserving judgment on your life. Deserving, as we just spoke about. It's not that if you hear this truth and you don't believe it, that Jesus is judging you, you stand condemned. Because that's just your natural state right now. God's not sending you necessarily to hell. You're going there because it's just your natural state. But guess what? For those who have been called out, called out to do something, which is to speak and preach the gospel, to live the gospel, we go out and we say this message. Have you ever lied? Have you ever had an impure thought? Have you ever hated? Right? Have you ever held something as a sense of idolship, a false god? Have you ever coveted after something? Have you ever dishonored your mother or father? These are all things to where all of us in here can say, yep, and then some. God's standard says that if you break one of these laws, guess what? You're guilty of breaking them all. So where does that now put you into the standard of a holy and perfect creator? See, this is the unifier, once again, of creation. It's our sin. We're all guilty. No one, no one is righteous enough. We all fall short of the righteousness of God. So where does that leave us? Where do we stand? You're telling me then that I'm just destined to go to hell? No, I'm trying to stand up here and tell you that there is one that took your sin. There is one that bore the iniquity. I was speaking to the men this last Thursday too that we can so easily preach a gospel where we do these hard stops and Brent did this amazing teaching where, you're, where we, we, we speak about you have three individuals that are going to be thrown in the fire. How many of you guys remember their names? Good job. What was that? Okay, say their names again. Okay. Give me Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We they're okay, that's their pay. We know in scripture that they get thrown into the furnace, right? And we sit there many times in our preaching and teaching and go, God will deliver you from that furnace, right? He'll deliver you from that fire. We do these hard stops in Scripture, right? So Don, Val, Tracy, you go, you get thrown into the furnace. Guess what? God will deliver you. He's going to deliver. No, you're not going to burn, Don. God's going to. How many of you know after the comma of that verse what continues? Brandon, what? Even if he doesn't, wait a minute, I didn't learn that at church. You're telling me that my faith doesn't hinge on the fact that God will deliver me from it. My faith hinges on the fact that even if he doesn't, I'm still going to worship him. Right? This is what we have to come to as Christians. Or even the phrase too, and I'm trying to remember the passage that um, God doesn't count our transgressions, right? And we stop there, right? Ron, God doesn't count your transgressions. Hard stop. Well, that's good news. Thanks, Pastor Josh, for saying that. He doesn't... No, continue the phrase. He doesn't count your transgressions against you. Well, time out. Wait a minute. He's still counting transgressions? Yeah. Well, if he's not counting them against me, who's he counting them against? Church? Jesus Christ. This is the message of the gospel. Your part 
in this scenario is that you are the sinner. You are the unrighteous one. There's nothing that you bring to the table. And when you hear this gospel message and you know when it's spoken to you that if I put my faith in Christ Jesus, then I am made righteous because now I live in Him, the righteous one, which means no longer will I face judgment or hell, but now I also give, get to live in eternity and eternal life with God the Father. And He'll be with me throughout the time that I'm on this fallen world. He'll be with me. He'll be a lamp to my feet. And I don't live for a day where I get great news, as we spoke about in men's group, if we find ourselves ridden with cancer, if we find ourselves ridden with some horrible disease. As Christians, we don't live for the day that someone says you're cancer-free. We live for the day that we get to see Jesus Christ. That means that whatever I'm going through in this fallen world during this fallen time, it is well with my soul because the hope that I have is in a day that's yet to come. Guys, this world is dying. We are dying with it. But our orders are called out for us. We need to live with an urgency to speak this gospel message so other people can hear it. So when you look back at Galatians 2, what Paul is sitting here saying, I'll start off here at verse 17. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I would be a lawbreaker. Verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. That means Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, fulfilling the law that you and I couldn't fulfill. He then dies on the cross, and because he knew no sin, death couldn't hold him, so he was resurrected on the third day, which also showed that he was a justifiable and righteous sacrifice to God the Father. So when we hear that and we accept and believe it in faith, we now are identified with Jesus Christ. Almost even when he goes back to the cross, we see him crucified. We are dying with him. We are crucified with him, which means we're also born again with him. Not just in a spiritual sense, but also in a bodily sense. Our bodies will be resurrected. So he goes on to say, I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body or in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm living as an individual with Jesus Christ in me. I no longer am living. My sin has been revealed to me through hearing by faith this gospel message. I've done nothing. I've heard it. The Holy Spirit has supernaturally revealed my sin to me. All of a sudden, I see the world in a different lens. All of a sudden, I'm conscious of the things that I used to just blindly ignore as a person that walked around blind to the world or blind to the sin of the world. And now I know that when I even slip to this sin, I can go to Jesus Christ and I can ask for forgiveness and He will forgive. This isn't a life about living perfect. It's a life about being perfected, period. So we can't heap this burden on us in thinking that we have to continuously do something to get something. The doing is just an effect of what we've already believed. 
So we don't walk around thinking we're perfect. We don't walk around thinking, well, my food's better than this person's food. So then when we gather to have a supper or a feast that so-and-so needs to be over there. And so this is the stuff that angered Paul. What are you doing? We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Many of you can look around this room right now or around the backyard and you can sit there and honestly say, in what other circumstance or reason under this fallen world would you guys be in a gathering like this right now? I mean, I look at it and I laugh sometimes because I know a lot of your stories. Like, thank you, Jesus, because a lot of these people probably just wouldn't get a hold of each other on a regular day and say, hey, you want to go have a feast in someone's backyard? <laughs> you guys are as diverse as they come. Praise God. Why is that? Because you are all sinners saved by God's grace. What a unity, right? So it doesn't matter if you're 11. It doesn't matter if you're 85. You are all children of God. And this is why we're here today. So, my words to you in closing is, in this testing, in this examination, as Paul even says that we're called to do in the faith, do you live a life where Jesus Christ is in you? Do you live a life where you are in Christ Jesus? Do you take Him everywhere you go? Have you burdened yourself, though, with this belief and this thought that there's something that you should be doing to be more Christian? I say no. I say that if you've accepted the gospel by faith in your heart, guess what? You, the effects of that truth will start to live its way out. And guys, I've heard the stories from this body. I've gotten the messages. It's so weird. I didn't used to do this, but now it's like when I do it, fill in the blank. I never used to think that this would bother me, but I'm doing this. I never, I mean, I'm going to, a little bit picking on Val and Tracy, and Nikki's not here so I can pick on her a little bit, but correct me if I'm wrong, she got up and gave you guys a hug. You guys are the you guys are you guys are the, you guys are the three most unhugging people right in the world. So I just stop and I go, no, I'm just saying like seriously. Exactly. But in hearing that story, like, and I've known her for a while, like Nikki gave two people in the church a like that stuff to me is wild. Nikki's not a hugger. But I stand up here as an example too. If you guys would have known me 20 years ago, I get it all that you're a pastor. You preach God's word. Every Sunday, that thought hits my head. By God's enabling grace, by God's enabling grace, I do the things that I do to give him glory. Not by my, my own right, not by my flesh. What does that mean? We need to pray for God's enabling grace in our life. And that means that I remember what he did for me on the cross. Therefore, now because he loved me, I go out and live a life for him. Why? Because it's not I who no longer live but it's Christ in me that lives. And people will see you and they will notice the fruit in your life. That is the true marks of a Christian. It isn't about what you say. It isn't about the prayers you pray, the gifts you express. It's about the fruit in your life that gives glory to God in heaven. Amen? Amen. So, I'm going to close in prayer. You guys, we're going to feast. We're going to have fellowship and all that. Once again, I know there's not going to be any divisiveness amongst us. So, Jelaine, don't take your people over. And Jason, your people over. So, I truly... I know. There you go. There you go. 
I truly appreciate you guys coming, bringing food. I ask once again that you guys have fellowship. And I do close with this. If the, if the message you heard today, the gospel message, okay, is as simplified as it is. As a pastor, I can never make it to where you have to... Um, I don't ever want to say it to you in a way to make you think that there's something you need to do when you hear it. My job is to just speak it to you and then just trust that the Holy Spirit will do what He needs to do in you when you hear it. That's it. It's that simple. But I ask that if this is a day of salvation for you, you guys can always come up and see me afterwards so I can pray with you. If this is a revelation to where you thought the gospel was some other gospel that you've heard growing up, and you've heard this truth that, wait a minute, I don't need to bring anything to the table, that I understand now and see God's grace, that I'm not removing His grace from, from anything, I don't, I don't believe that I have to do something first to be, I want you to see me so I can pray with you. Because we so often can go through life and thinking that there's more to this than what there really is. Right? There's, a, there's an old saying that I love. It says, uh, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Right? And I leave you guys with this awesome rhyme as well. The things that we try to do for ourselves in this world will pass, but the things that we do for Jesus Christ will forever last. So remember that. Let go of whatever it is that you're doing for yourself and do it all for Christ and Christ alone. Amen? Okay. Heavenly Father, Lord, once again, we just give you thanks for this day. Lord, I give you thanks for this opportunity to be able to preach your message to brothers and sisters, Lord. Standing up here, a sinner saved by God's grace as well. Lord, I understand and know that that your truth, that your gospel is just something that removes the scale from our eyes. Lord, that we don't see any kind of commandments as this thing that we have to do first, but now we see it as a means of we get the opportunity to do this because it provides us with peace. It provides us with a lamp to our feet to journey through this fallen world. So Lord, I pray that individuals in this or in the, in the backyard here hear this truth. They accept this truth with faith in their heart. And Lord, I also pray just a blessing over the food that we're about to partake in as well. Lord, I give you thanks for the individuals and the food that was brought, but we all feast together as a body. It is in your name, Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right, so we're going to get another table out in a